0: This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world, proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman.
1: The History Channel had a special entitled The Man Who Predicted 911. Now, you know, we just commemorated. 20 years as a nation, can you believe it, since those planes hit the tower? But the History Channel had a special entitled The Man Who Predicted 911. Its focus was on one man by the name of Rick Rescorla. Rick Rescorla. Long before September 11th, Rick Rescorla, the 62 year old head of security at the Morgan Stanley Bank, developed an evacuation plan for the bank. The bank's offices were situated high up in the South Tower at the World Trade Center. Riscorla was convinced that Osama bin Laden would use jet planes to try and destroy the World Trade Center. He had been there during the first attacks in 93, remember when they bombed in the basement there. So he developed this evacuation plan. The plan, but the plan and its preparation were highly unpopular with the Morgan Stanley staff, many of whom thought Riscorla was just a madman. But on September the 11th, 2001, American Airlines Flight 11 hit World Trade Center Tower 1 at 846, the other tower beside him. Rick Riscola knew what had happened. He ignored the building officials' advice to stay put. Remember, that's what they told the people. He ignored their advice to stay put and began the orderly evacuation of Morgan Stanley's 2,800 employees on 20 floors of World Trade Center Tower number two. And then he also went over to World Trade Center number five and got another 1,000 employees out. Riscorla reminded everyone to be proud to be an American. He said, everyone will be talking about you tomorrow and saying God Bless America and other songs over his bullhorn which he had as his emergency kit, to help evacuees stay calm as they left the building. Riscorla had most of Morgan Stanley's 2,800 employees as well as people working on other floors of the World Trade Center 2, safely out of the building by the time United Airlines Flight 175 hit World Trade Center 2 at 9.07 a.m. After having reached safety, Riscorla returned to the building to rescue others still inside. He was last seen Heading up the stairs of the 10th floor of the collapsing World Trade Center II. His remains were never recovered. As a result of Rescorda's actions, listen to this, only six of Morgan Stanley's 2,800 employees were killed. Only six were killed on September 11, 2001, including Rick and three of his deputies who followed him back into the building. So that would have meant, meant only two others. Morgan Stanley Bank employees who now in tears were praising and acknowledging Rick Riscorla for saving their lives from total destruction that day. Mr. Riscorla left behind a widow, Susan Riscorla, and two children that day. Since 9-11, a memorial stone was erected in Rick's hometown of Hell, Cornwell, England to remind others of how you can be prepared when fear strikes. Are right, you listening to me? Thank God there was a man who decided that there was a way to react when fear came and that you did not have to let fear cause you to panic when the situation hit. Amen. Now, Psalm 34 verse four says, this is David and David knew some things about fear. He was left out there as a young man to tend sheep, and it was a pretty rough place where he was at. You know, the whole 23rd Psalm, if you'll remember, we studied this not long ago, and most people don't even know this. How they cannot know this about the 23rd Psalm, they recite it like it's a poem. They recite it like it's just another, but this was David talking about his experiences as a shepherd. He was talking about going through the valley of the shadow of death. That was a literal valley that he had to lead those sheep by. He was talking about leading the sheep beside still waters into green pastures. And to get them there, he had to go through a very shady place where there was a lot of danger and there was a lot of risk involved because of wild animals. You know, that's when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He was talking from experience. These were not just little metaphors that he was throwing out there that are cute that we recite every day. Amen? Amen? So David knew what it was to face the lion and face the bear and face Goliath and then face a a father-in-law because he married his daughter. He was given as a gift in that deal. Have his father-in-law chase him and have his armies come after him to try to kill him. But I want you to notice what David says here. Again, he said, I sought the Lord. I sought him and he delivered me out of all of my fears. So today... In Jesus' name, we're going to get you delivered out of all of your fear in the name of Jesus. You might have had it since you were a little boy or a little girl. I told the people this morning, my Lord in heaven, I was raised in that fearful house. I heard my mama say a thousand times, oh, 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 I saw her do that. I saw her flinch. I saw her drop back. Uh, she'd always say, I'd say, mama, we were over playing next door and, and, uh, the ball hit the door. Oh God, the ball hit the door. Oh, they're going to come over here after us. She'd say that. I thought, oh my God. And she was always thinking that someone was trying to come after us. Someone was going to come get us. Uh, you know, if somebody got sick, she just, oh God, they're going to die. And you know, I'd already, her, her thunderstorms were well documented as you know. So understand as a little boy, I got raised in this. And I didn't have a strong male figure there to say, son, don't worry about that. I got this. Don't worry, son. Nothing's going to hurt you. I didn't have any of that. So by the time I became an adult, uh, I said something this morning I want to say early to you. You can't outgrow fear. You ought to write that down. You can't outgrow fear. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to be afraid of the boo- boogeyman. And I'm not anymore. Even... Okay, but you want to know why? Because you found out there wasn't one. You didn't just outgrow it. See, you you got... You you got exposed to truth and facts, and the truth and facts dismiss the fear, and that's what I'm here to do to you today, to introduce you to some truth and facts so you don't have to be afraid anymore. Katie shout amen. How many of you want to be delivered from fear? Now, we read last week from 1 Chronicles 22 how the commission was given to the people of Israel. It said, be courageous and be fearless. Be fearless. Then we read in 1 Timothy where Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate, you know, the account over in Timothy, it said, and he gave a fearless testimony. Now he knew the power that Pontius Pilate had, but he was fearless. How can you be fearless in a fearful situation? And there are some fearful situations. We live in a fearful world. Once you go out those doors, you better have on the armor of God. Now you can carry a little something, something over here. That's good. That may bring you a little security, but you better have on the armor of God too. And by the way, we carry a little something, something. David had a slingshot. God didn't tell David to run at that giant and just scream at him and he'll fall. He said, uh, take your, take your, take your weapon, son. For all of you that have been indoctrinated by and politicized about some of these things, amen, amen. don't get me started because I would love going down that road, I always do. But David knew what fear was like. But he said, I sought the Lord and he delivered me out of all my fear. In the, in the uh, I think it's the New Living Translation. He said, I sought the Lord and he freed me from all of my fear. Wouldn't it be great to be freed from fear? I was going to bring them in here. Maybe I'll bring them in next week because I brought them in before a couple years ago. I was going to bring in two of my cassette tapes. How many of you know what that is? Whoa. Whoa. You know, they're making a little bit of a comeback, just like vinyl records have made a comeback. I remember when Janelle was real small. She so came over to our house and, Grandpa, what's that? And it was my vinyl record collection. I said, it's a record. What's a record? I said, well, it's got music on. How do you hear it? So you put it on a record player. What's a record player? So I said, it's this. So I showed it to her. And now I bought her one about three years ago. She got records now. And I was at a store two years ago. And lo and behold, right there on display was a cassette player. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Come on, man. Let's go. I got like 2,000 of these things, man. Come on. Let's get these things back in. But I was going to bring in a couple of my cassette tapes from Brother Copeland that you've heard so much about. In 1978, I bought six of them, and one of them, and I'm going to bring it in. It's been broken open and re-glued so many times, and it's yellow. That It was in a white case. It says, Walking Free from Fear. Wow. Now, I remember when I got that cassette tape in 1978, I was a 20-year-old man. And I'd love to tell you that I was a 20-year-old man that was fearless and, you know, filling my oats, because by that time... I had foolishly gotten married young and I had a child, you know, I was, I was a father at 18, (laughs) you know, uh, don't try this at home. Amen. (laughs) But, uh, but you would have thought me being a, a father and a husband, you know, but I wasn't, I still had a lot of that fear in me that was putting me as a little boy. Now, i got gotten born again in 1976, but I was in a church that shouted and hollered and screamed. And I mean, those pastors, man, I mean, I'm not not making fun of them, but I'm just, I mean, mean, they go after it. But when you go home and you didn't have him there beside you, the devil went, boom, you jump. Because you didn't have any word in you. You didn't have any word in you. Everybody's big and bad in the house of God. So in 1978, I started listening to a different message and I heard Brother Copeland and I ordered this tape, Walking Free from Fear because I knew I needed it. I thought, my God in heaven, I, 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 it's a ridiculous. I'm a 20-year-old man and I'm still getting, little things can shake me up real bad. So that started my journey on learning how to deal with fear. And I didn't overcome it right away. And I'm not gonna tell you as a human being on a planet that is full of a lot of really frightful things out there. That I don't ever still get that feeling try to come on me. But understand fear is a feeling first. Yeah. 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 And now I've learned, like Nancy said when she was here, you gotta learn to respond. Yeah. Now fear, if you let it camp out, it will it'll go, you know, I can't do the whistle now because I'm preaching and my lips are all wet. But uh, it'll whistle and then it'll it'll get worried to come over to your house. It'll get anxiety to come over to your house. The Greek word fear is the word panic, phobos. It'll get panic to come on you. I mean, fear will invite all of its family over. And they'll sit down at your house and get in your life and get in your marriage and get in your, get in your business and get in everything, get in your head. And before you know it, even when God's word comes, you can't really receive it. I've had people, I actually had somebody tell me one time, Uh, I said, you need to come to church. There's one of my family members, uh, that doesn't attend here regularly. I said, you need to be at church. Well, I just can't come because I just got so many things on my mind. I thought, and that's why you need to come so we can help you get rid of some of this stuff and get some faith in you because faith is a fear stopper. And I said to the first group this morning, how did, so how did I overcome fear? And, and I'm not, listen, I'm still a human being. I'm not going to tell you I still don't have to deal with it. But how did I overcome fear as a 20-year-old 20, 20 man that had been Listen, I heard my mom thousands of times, not a couple of times. When I tell you she was afraid, you knew her. Afraid of everything. Everything. everything everybody. Everything. I'm so glad they really, by the time my mama quit watching TV, they didn't have all these news networks. Dear Lord, didn't have it. Last thing she needed to do sit there and watch that all day. And uh, and you don't need to be watching it either. I'm going to stay on you about it, stay on you about it, stay on you about it, stay on you about it. Amen. 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 But how did I get, how, how did I get away from that? Because it was, it was stuck on me. I remember this one guy came up to my, he came up to our house. He lived with a bunch of guys right down the road. And, and, and isn't it amazing when you fear, when you're in fear of people that are bullies will find you. Once fear, people see that you have fear, the devil will send people to frighten you. Yeah. Yeah. He will. And this guy came up, you know, and I don't know how. Somebody started talking to my brother. No, no offense to my brother. I said this morning, God rest him. He's, you know, 15 years he's been in heaven now. He died when he was 51 and uh, in 2006. And I loved him. He did make heaven. He did become a Christian. Uh, the last part of his life. He lived out, but he, he died of congestive heart failure and emphysema, you know, and he stopped smoking six months before he died and it wasn't enough. And, and he just, it, you know, he had too many problems going on. And, but when he was alive, he took on my mom's personality. And he was almost more afraid than she was. So here I got a big brother and I can't say, oh, no, you won't. I'll get my big. Oh, never, never mind. You know, (laughs) I couldn't do that. (laughs) Some of you got that benefit, but I don't have that benefit. So I was raised in this. How did I get free from it? Well, That tape began to show me in the word and one of the scriptures that was in there was Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all of my fear. And then I began to see all these other scriptures we talked about the last two or three weeks are at least 365 that say, do not fear, be not afraid. And so that's where we've been hammering this, trying to help you get disconnected from it so that you can begin to walk with God the right way. Can you shout Amen. Luke 21, I want to read this to you quickly from the Amplified Classic. I read it this morning. And I want to say this again to you. I believe it will resonate better with you than it did the last group, even though I said it last week. But this is a huge statement. And you really need to get it down in your heart. And if you didn't write it down last week, you ought to write it down. You cannot accomplish everything God wants you to do with your life if you don't conquer fear. Amen. Right. I didn't say you couldn't accomplish anything. I said, you cannot accomplish all that God wants you to do with your life if you do not conquer fear. That's right. Because God will God will lead you into some situations that are pretty scary on the surface. Amen. Right? Shad, I mean Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, uh, you're gonna go in the fiery furnace. But of course, they said, you know, they said, you know, uh, we're not gonna bow to your God, and we covered this last week, and 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 they said, well, then, you know. You're going to go in the fiery furnace and said, well, if it be so, we're not even sure you can even throw us in there. Yeah. First of all, we're not sure that God will even not stop you before you throw us in. But even if you do, our God's able to deliver us. There's a lot of things God will ask you to do that are bigger than you, that are beyond your ability, Amen. beyond your intellect, beyond your, your schooling, your, your teaching, your money. God told us to build a multi-million dollar building and I think we had raised about three or $400,000 is all we had. And the Lord said, go ahead and build it and just believe God and go ahead and finance it and I'm like, praise the Lord. But you know, even by that time, I'd already seen how fickle God's people were. We love you, Pastor. We love you, Pastor. We love you, Pastor. I'm out of here. And I'm texting and calling and sending emails to everybody. I saw somebody yesterday, praise the Lord. But anyway... (laughs) still talking about themselves. I don't get it. Got invited to a funeral yesterday. I was asked to pray. They said, do not say anything, Uh, please. They had 31 speakers, 31 speakers, 31 speakers. You know, brother Jerkins had quite a life and he uh, helped a lot of people, impacted a lot of people. I was in there and there was also somebody else there. I walked up there. i Did what I was told to do. I prayed my prayer. I sat down. But there were a couple others that got up there, and they they told everybody only two minutes except for the sons who were going to give the eulogy at the end. And, of course, there were people that got up there, and it was like four, five, six, seven minutes. And then there was one person that got up there and, of course, talked about themselves. I think they mentioned Brother Durkin's four times and themselves 50, but that's another story. And I won't tell you who it was, but if you can just think for a minute, you'll know. But anyway... I had, I don't know why, but I just had to get that out. This is my microphone (laughs) given to me by God. Amen. (laughs) Now I lost my train of thought. I got you guys. I feel a lot of pulling going on there, but you know, like I said, being a pastor, God told us to do something that was bigger than us. And we knew that people had to come and people had to give. I mean, we didn't have that money even though we signed the note for our house and our cars and everything was on the line for us that if, we, if the church didn't pay the notes, we lost everything we'd work for. But you know what? I, I, I can say this. Now, i would never signed a $2 million note in my life. I looked down, I was like, my Lord in heaven, $2 million, are you kidding me? But we signed the note, and I gotta say this, and Pastor Ginger knows this, I didn't have any fear at all. The Lord said, I'll use people, but don't depend on them, depend on me. Amen. He said, just remember, if you'll depend on me, I'll use people to help you do this, but don't depend on people. And boy, did I not know how prophetic that was. <laughs> can you shout amen? amen? But God will lead you to do things that are bigger than you, that are beyond your ability, beyond your gifting, beyond your intelligence, beyond you know all of that. And, and that can be that can be really something for you to deal with. Um, You know, so we we built this building. We were in this building for only, uh, really we were only in this building three and a half years when the Lord spoke to us about building the gymnasium over there. Now it was 2000, the end of 2006 before we built it. But remember, before you build a building, you're two years doing it all before you do it. And uh, so you say, well, what what happened then? What, What happened then? Well, we had to trust God. We had to trust the Lord. It wasn't on me. There's no way I could have done that. No way we could have done that. The devil will put fear in you. The devil will make you think you can't do it. But everybody say this, my God God is so much bigger bigger than me. me. My God God is so much bigger bigger than my my ability. Now, once you learn that, you can begin to apply it because God will cause you to step out sometime, but you won't have fear anymore. Right. Now, how are you going to deal with it? You got to have some faith. You got to start saying, you know, my God is you know, everything that God already supplied everything you need in the word. Amen. Here's the good news. God didn't have to create anything. Amen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when Jesus got done, he sat down, you know what he said on the cross and he hadn't even gone to death, hell in the graveyard. He said, it's finished. Now, what we got to do is we... But fear will keep you from the blessings. Fear will keep you from your healing. Fear will keep you from believing to get all your family saved. Fear will keep you from from achieving what God wants for you. Now, here we are in Luke 21. You thought I forgot. Let's read it from the Amplified Classic real quickly. Only a couple verses. And when you hear... Now, if you've heard of any of this, I want you to just like acknowledge it when we get there. When you hear of wars... And insurrections, disturbances, disorder, confusion. It says, do not become alarmed and panic-stricken and terrified. For all this must take place first, but the end will not come immediately. So what that's telling me is there must be more that we're going to have to deal with. Then he told them nation will rise against nation. Heard any of that? Kingdom against kingdom. Heard any of that? Respond now. Okay? There will be mighty and violent earthquakes in various places. Mexico, just last few days. Famines. Heard any of that? How about now I'm going to let me read this whole part of this cuz it's going to give you a definition. Pestilences which are plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases which are deadly and devastating. Heard anything about that? And let's say, oh, by wow, the last 19 months or so. This is in the Amplified Classic Bible. I didn't add any of that. Here's what it says. I'm going to read it again. Plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases, which are deadly and devastating. And then it says there'll be sites of terror coming on the earth. Now, we're not going to go over. I could go over, but but for lack of time, I will try not, I probably won't. If you go over to Matthew 24, uh, yeah, I think I will read a couple of verses here. Matthew 24, verse 4. Uh, this is from the Amplified Classic real fast. Matthew 24, 4. They were asking Jesus about when is the temple going to be destroyed and uh, when, are, when are you coming back? Because you're talking about coming again. And when's the end of of everything coming. And Jesus began to answer their questions. So we need to know the answers because we can kind of locate where we are by what he tells them to look for. I mean, you know, a sign points you somewhere. All right. So he said, be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you and leading you into error. And there's a lot of that going on right now. All right. Uh, Then he goes on down, he says in verse 6, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you're not frightened. Everyone say frightened. Okay, verse 8, he says, all is but the beginning, the early pains of the birth pains of the intolerable anguish. He's talking about things that are coming on this earth. Now, we're not there in this last part yet, but we're in the first part. We're We're in the birth pains. Are we not? All right, let me read a little bit more. Uh, and then many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. Does that sound like our day? I don't believe in that God. I don't believe in that Jesus. It's all one or it's none. You know, have you heard any of that? Let me read again. Many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. And will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. Does that sound like today, perhaps? I had somebody tell me in our church that had COVID, they had uh, uh, the, uh, what was it, the health department trying to come to their door, and, I, and they said, I'm not an evil sinner. I said, Well, don't. We got people that will rat people out. Yeah. Yeah. Now don't shout me down now. Yeah. Listen to this. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many, how, how many? Yeah. Many into error. So this is, a, this is not a little faction over here. So it's going to lead many into error. Okay. Um, and the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. Now, I'm not going to get political here, but we can't define the police. That's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in the history of my life. My God, it's all in the Bible that God gives people authority to keep peace. Now, you got to, you got to figure out who the bad ones are. You got to make it tough for them to be in positions to, to violate people. I'm 100% agree with that, but you can't do away with the police. We are, listen, we already have lawlessness. What would it be like if there was no one to call? Now, there's a couple people in here that I know that can handle it because they got enough of an arsenal, but most of us don't. I'm not looking anywhere. But notice it, notice it all, these are all, now let me ask you something. These things that I've read in Luke 21 and Matthew 24 Are you seeing them out there today? Here's my question. I ask it at the first service, and I'm asking you. Then, what's it going to take for you to put God first? What's it going to take for you to say the most important thing I do every week is go to church, not go to work, not call my friends, not get on Facebook? not text somebody, not, 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 you know, uh, not, not, not message somebody. You know, the most important thing about my week is I'm going to the house of God. Cause here's what I know. When I walk out there, according to the Bible, we are at the very end of this thing and something is coming bigger than even this. And thank God there's this thing called the rapture where there's a flight of people that go out right before the bad, bad, bad stuff happens. I'm making preparation. I won't be on that flight. Think what you you asked, you you think with me this morning. Shouldn't the churches be full? Yes. Yes. Amen. The churches ought to be bursting at their seams. People out there should be because listen, they ought to be scared. Amen. They ought to be in fear. Amen. They ought to be in terror because they don't have the protection of God. Amen. They don't have the help of God. No. Amen. Amen. The churches ought to be packed. You would think with all these signs going on, people be like, oh, I'll tell you one thing, man, I'm getting my butt to church. Right, right. Amen. You think everybody be telling their buddies, listen, I love you and I love my family. Y'all can go right to hell if you want to, but I'm going to church. Amen. Amen. I'll be praying for you. I hope you come. I'll try to save you a seat, but I'm telling you this much: you're not getting mine because I'm going to be in it. Amen? Then I'm going to ask the question, Everybody in here, help me! I'm, pa- I'm going to ask you a question. See if you can answer it. What's it going to take for people to come to church when you got wars, rumors of wars, calamities? You got pandemics where people are dying, getting sick and dying in families now all over the place. You got all, you got earthquakes happening in diverse places. You got people in the household turning on one another, betraying one another, hating one another. You got people out in the street that are fighting and angry and mad and raging and, 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 and nobody has an answer because they don't have an answer because they don't have an answer. Right. Yeah. That's right. Right. That's right. They just don't have an answer. Man has never been able, and let me tell you something, man can't stop prophecy. No. That's right. That's right. No, not true. Now, having said all that, you would think, okay, then I ought to be afraid, Pastor William. No, I'm telling you today, if you'll walk with God, get in his word, find out what it says, answer when fear comes, you can still go to bed at night and just close your little eyes and put your head on your nice little pillow and just uh, go to sleep and just sleep like a baby. And I don't mean wake up and cry and be changed overnight either. I mean, sleep well. (laughs) Amen. I mean, if God is God, how many of you believe he is? Yes. If God is God, then is he not able yes. to save us, protect us, and keep us? Now, somebody said, but Pastor, William, what if? I know, I know. You're going to go with your what ifs and your buts. What if, Pastor William, I'm, I, what, what, what if, Pastor William, I know you, see, I know you say, I should say no evil shall befall me, no plague come nigh in my dwelling. COVID is not coming in my house. COVID is not getting my family. COVID is not getting on me. I walk, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. But what if somebody in my house does get COVID or what if I get it? Then you say, well, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to get well quicker than anybody. Thank God this thing's not staying in my body. Thank God I'm going to get well and I'm going to recover. I used this illustration last week to help some of you because I know that not everybody's in the same place or the same level with your faith, but I used it because it's really important because the three Hebrew children said, if, they weren't sure that they'd get thrown in the fire first, but they did say, even, even if I am, I still believe God can help me. So even if you got diagnosed, I believe God can help me. Isn't that right, Ronald? If I'm not mistaken, sir, you had a, a pretty serious case there, didn't you? And where are you today? This man up here was at the at the doorway of death, and he's here now. You say, but I had a family member that passed, but here I got scripture for that. The good thing is, we got a God that covered it all. He said, for me to live is Christ, but die is gain. Amen. So I'll fight the fight, and I'll fight to live, and I'll fight for the. Whole, but you know what? It doesn't matter because if my life ends, I go, I get promo, I don't get demoted. I get promoted, Amen. and that's why Hebrews two says that once you conquer the fear of death you are really on your way to conquering fear. My little mama, again, I have to go back to her. Now, she had me when she was 43. I was, you know, I was certainly not, I wasn't planned by anybody but God. (laughs) Let's just say, she wasn't married. My daddy was 23. I thought he was 25. We looked it up the other day. My dad was 23 and my mom, 43. About to be 43 when I was born. I wasn't planned. But God had a plan. Amen, amen. God, Lord took, Lord took that mess. Boy, that was a mess right there. Her last husband hadn't even died; wasn't even cold, good in the grave. And guess who's coming along? Put up the. He's good, you know. He sends him along. But I saw my little mama. It wasn't her poverty that robbed her of her life. She didn't have anything when she died. She'd already been moved from South Central Village to, a to the nursing home. She didn't have anything. We were down in the basement the other day, Dorothy, and I saw three or four boxes that had granny's stuff in it. And I did think about it this way. It's kind of sad. They lived their whole lives, and at the end, their whole life was in three or four boxes. But in my mother's case, I thought about, it, it wasn't the poverty that robbed her life. It was the fear. I know a lot of people don't have anything, but they have peace. Yeah. They still enjoy they the life they have, you know what I mean? They don't have a lot, but they have the Spirit of God on them. They love God, and they don't know everything about how to maybe prosper. That's okay, but, but they, you know, they, they, just, they have peace. Because yeah. money doesn't guarantee you peace. Right. Big house doesn't guarantee you peace. Oh, don't ever get confused. Even though God wants you to have it, He doesn't want you to have it without peace. But I got to thinking about, that. you know, but my mama lived to be, uh, let's see, she lived, I was she, 58, she died in 93, so she lived another 25 years, you know, after that, uh, then 35 years after, so, so my 35 years. So my mom, I saw her go through 35 years of misery, and it was mostly because she had fear. Fear will rob you of your life. It'll rob you of, it'll, even, even when you have things that you should be really enjoying, it'll be hard to enjoy it because there's always oh, something bad about to happen. You've heard people say this, well, I've had a good day, but you know how that is, I'm due now. What kind of crazy talk is that? Yeah. Well, everything's going good, but <laughs> knock on wood. Can you see how we've been trained almost? Yeah. This, this thing's, So that's why when you first hear about the Bible and the way it deals with fear, it is difficult at first to get over it. But if you'll stay with this, it'll bring you through. Now I'm going to ask the question again. So with all the stuff going on out there, all the craziness going on out there, all of the, I mean, I mean, good. The reason we got 500 news networks, which are all worthless, but the reason we do It's because there's so much, I mean, the head story now gets bumped by another one in 10 minutes, which gets bumped by another one because there's so many bad things going on everywhere. What is it going to take? If you're out there and you're watching today, what is it going to take? What sign are you waiting for? What has to happen in the world to convince you you need to be in the house of God? Well I can serve God at home. If you're an invalid, if you're a shut-in, if you can't come to the house of God, I absolutely believe God can help you and, and you and He can work even but I will say this. you better be pretty dedicated even in that condition. Don't think God's going to pity you. You still got to do it the way everybody else does. You have to do it with the Bible, have to do the, say the right things with your mouth. You know we all have to play by the same rules. But if you can't come, God understands. But if you can come, you need to be in the house of God. Amen. I said it this morning, said it Thursday night, not, Hebrews 10, 25, not, what's the first word? Not, let's say, say it with me, what's the first word? Not, come on, let's say it with you. I'm gonna kill you one more time. What is the first word? Not. Shout it. Not. not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, the much more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. What other sign are you looking for? What other sign are you waiting for? What is it going to take for you to see that I better get back to the house of God? Quit letting the devil whisper in your ear I love God. I know who Jesus is. I went to, to the altar. I talked to him every now and then. I don't need to go to church. You wouldn't know the voice of God from the voice of Bozo the Clown. And here's the problem. You'll think it's the voice of God, but it'll be the voice of the enemy. And you'll be following voices you thought was God, and, and he'll, he'll get you in trouble. Now, don't shout me down because I'm preaching now. I know I'm preaching hard and heavy and I keep thinking, Lord, give me the good old fun, happy, everybody shouts and claps for Pastor William kind of sermon. But you know, right now we gotta have something else. I'm like anybody else. I want to feel like somebody loves me while I'm preaching instead of instead of people walking out or whatever's happening or I don't know what's going on with that, but I don't care. Because I'm gonna speak the truth. I'm not in here to put a pacifier in your mouth. Amen. Somebody's got to step up and be bold in the days we're in and speak truth and not, not be afraid of, you know, three times God said to, well, actually only said it was, but three times Paul recites what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And he also points out, and God said, do not be afraid of their faces. That's right. In other words, I'm going to send you to preach a hard word and not everybody's going to like you. And when they snarl and snap and, and nudge and nudge their, their friend and walk out the door while you're preaching, don't worry about it. You preach the, then he told Timothy, preach the word. Yes, Be instant in, season out. And, and, uh, and one translation there says, when it's popular and when it's not. Right. Yeah. Right. When it's popular and when it's not. Amen. Amen. Amen? Then we talked about Thursday night, about this assembling thing. Now, I, I preached a message many years ago, a lot of you would remember, been here a while. Have you ever gotten anything in a box that is not put together? And it says on the side of the box what does it say some assembly what what's that last word oh required so even though you have everything that the picture on the box uh, in the box to make it look like the picture it's not just going to jump out and look like the picture not if it is a box that says When I get those boxes, I go, hmm, interesting. Here, honey. (laughs) Because she knows I cannot deal with that. I learned a long time ago. I'll say, honey, what? Got something for you? Some assembly is required. Then we talked about Thursday night how God told Moses to call the congregation together. And you see this over and over and over where he does this. He says, I've got a word to say and I want all the congregation to hear it. Notice he didn't go to the individual congregational people. He went to the leader so that when they're all in one place, they could all hear the same thing and know what the heart and mind of God was so that when they moved, they'd all move together. Don't tell me you don't need to be in church. Don't tell me that you can just stay home and be a Christian. and, Well, I... I don't know. I just know for me and my house, before I was a pastor, I was in the house of God every time they opened the doors. I told you when I got born again, I really got upset at Pastor Scott. I said, you mean to tell me we only meet twice a week? Wednesday and Sunday? What's that about? Oh, my Lord in heaven, if we, shouldn't we be meeting more than that? Amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit some of you, and I love you. First of all, let me... Let me, let me. Everybody look up here. I'm Pastor William Luffman. I pastor the greatest people in the world. I'm so excited when you come to church. I love your smiling faces. I want God to do so many wonderful things for you. I just love you so very much, and I pray for you every day. And all of that is true. But if you stay home to watch a football game, that's my favorite team. Oh, did they go to the cross? We got DVRs. Don't con me now. I've been blessed enough. Now, I'm a big sports fan, by the way, so I get it. You can't say pastor doesn't get it. Pastor gets it. You ever come come down to my man cave? You will see. I've got four lockers, actual lockers, you know, in my basement. Locker number one has a red door. It has all kinds of Austin P stuff in it. You open it up; it has Austin P jerseys, Austin P hats, Austin P uh, beanies, Austin P everything. Because when I'm going and I'm going to the Austin P game next Saturday, if you see me over there, I won't look like this. (laughs) You will not know me, because I'm going. I'm going to put on my my stuff, and when I get over there, I'm going to be a fan, 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 right? (laughs) Locker number two has orange on it, and I know they're not good, but hey, I'm not a fair weather fan. I'm a Tennessee fan. I've been, since I was a little boy. I mean, I watched them play. That T on that hat, that that does not stand for Texas. And if you're from Texas, I don't wanna make you mad. I just wanna remind you that you're not the universe. You're not the real UT. You started in 1850, we're 1793. And if we had to come down and help you kick butt, you wouldn't even be Texas. So there you go. Let's get history right. Well, I alienate people when I preach. I'm supposed to be bringing them in. My third locker has a royal blue color on it, and it has a bunch of stuff in there, which, by the way, the Tennessee locker has all the Tennessee jerseys and stuff and hats and all the stuff. I I went to see Peyton Manning play several times in Neyland Stadium back in the day. Uh, My third locker has a royal blue, and on it, it has both the Rams, which are my... Football team and the Dodgers, which are my baseball team because they both have that blue. So I combine them in and if you reach in there, man, you got Dodger hats and Ram stuff and all kind. And then the last one is is kind of like gold with some purple because that's my NBA and my hockey one. And that's for the Lakers and the National Preds. And I got all stuff in there. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. How did I get started on that? <laughs> I've been kicked into so many. I've been so many rabbit rabbit paths today, but let me just say this: I have had a lot of championship uh, events happen with those teams. The Lakers have won a lot. The Dodgers have won recently. The Rams won had a one run a little while back, so I could go through it. Tennessee Tennessee won the first BCS game. We forgot that because they've been so bad since, but they did win the first one. And I actually have. T. Martin signed program for that one. Um, but you know how many times I've been in church when they were playing for the national championship or they were playing for the world championship? Many, many, many times. And not just when I was a pastor. Amen. And and I'm not condemning you, but what I'm trying to say is we're in the last days. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for us to say the most important thing I'll do all week is go to the house of God? Because even when you don't know what I said it Thursday night, even when you don't know what faith is being put in you. Yes. Sometimes you can tell it. You can tell when the preach is going on, man, you're getting something. Sometimes you don't know if you've got anything until later on, and the devil pops his head up, and you go, oh, no, you don't. Amen. I saw the Lord, he delivered me out, and you think, man, where'd that come from? Now, I'm just about done. I could read on. I could go on. But I think we've, we've accomplished our work today. How many of you want to be fearless? Now, remember, being fearless does not mean that you won't be introduced to fear, does not mean that fearful situations will not arise around you. May, fearless doesn't even mean you may not feel some fear. But being fearless is responding with God's word. When fearful situations arise, you respond with God's word. Well, I did that and it didn't work. Well, wait wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute before you make that, before you make that statement. Think, think, think back a little. Let me ask you again, did Jesus go to the cross? Yes. Did he die for all the sins of the world? Yes. Was he raised from the dead? Yes. Does he have the keys of death and hell? Yes. Okay, so even if you prayed and something didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, the devil will say you fell. But how can you fail when Jesus already overcame death, hell, and the grave? Just because your circumstance didn't turn, just because your situation didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, remember God had a fail-safe plan already built in. Amen. Amen. Can I give you one more illustration that I know you've heard me probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 times over the years, but I think it, I'm just trying to be led of the Spirit. That's why I'm staying away from, you notice I stayed away from this? And by the way, if if, uh, somebody keeps asking me, do you believe that All this stuff going on with the vaccine and all this stuff going on in our country, you believe that's the mark of the beast. I don't for a reason, but I believe it is certainly a precursor. Now, if you read in Revelation 13, by the way, it says, if you won't take the mark, you can't buy or sell. That kind of sounded like back passports to me. But this is not it. And how do you know? Well, because the church, according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, gets taken up before what happens with this. But I do think it's this. I think it's preparing a world... For someone to come on the scene that will have the answer that people will trust and thrust into world leadership somewhere down the line. He's called the beast. He's called the Antichrist. They're they're right there. And, and the Bible says that the number 666 is not the significant part. The reason that's there is to tell you it's going to be a man because that's the number of man, six. Don't get confused that it's going to be some kind of... Uh, heavenly being, because that's going to be an ordinary man though, but who's being, being, being trusted as going to be influenced by the devil and given some power. Amen. Um, but when I look at, you know, if we pray for someone and they don't get healed or we pray for someone to get saved and at least to our knowledge, they didn't get saved and they died or something that we Ask, I mean, we, we believe we stood on the word, we believe we said the right thing, we believe we confessed the right thing, we believe we walked it out right, and it just didn't turn out right. You know, first of all, remember one thing, and it's going to really help you. Point to yourself and say this. Say, I, I am not, not God. Not. I, I do not know do not or understand, understand. Everything. everything. That'll help you. <laughs> But I'm going to give you this illustration that I've given many times and this, this will be the end of it. I talked about the failsafe. The failsafe is what Jesus did. I'll give you again the little history of the Golden Gate Bridge. How many of you have ever been there? I've, I've crossed it. I've been out to San Francisco, crossed the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and when they were building it, they had built other large bridges in other parts of the country before. And they had had some fatalities men working on those bridges were falling off and dying. And it was a real concern because they knew this was going to really be quite a bridge. So someone came up with the idea of, here's what we'll do. As we begin to build the bridge out over the water, we're going to build a net underneath and move the net as we go. So if any of our men fall, they won't fall to their death. Are are you hearing me? So they did that. And uh, the interesting thing was they had... Literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men work on this over the course of the time. And, and if you've been across it, that's a pretty long bridge. And the amazing thing, and they moved that net every time. And the amazing thing was when they got finished, not a single man even fell into the net. Wow! Now, what is the point? The point is they could work with peace knowing they didn't even if they fell, they wouldn't die. Yeah, Folks, we can live in peace. Yeah. Knowing that even if our body was to go down, our spirit would go up. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to, to live in, you know, I know the world's crazy and they're all afraid. Oh, oh what are we going to do? We just go, it's, it's good, man. It's good. It's all good. Look today everybody and say, it's all good. It's just all good. Because of what Jesus has done, we can live in a fearful world and be fearless. And you know what that's going to help you do? Whether you live to be 20, 50, 90, 120, you're going to learn how to enjoy the days you have. Well, everybody out there is in full panic mode. You're just going to be like, "Ah, what are we doing today? Oh, great. Sure. We'll go over there. Yeah. We're going to take care of that. Father, thank you for another day. Thank you so much for allowing me to live another. I'm so thankful, Lord. I want to do what you want me to do. Thank you for giving me a great day. And you walk out the door and You just live. You just live said to just live.
0: you've been listening to the outreach.fm podcast with your host pastor william luffman we hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show we enjoyed bringing it to you we'll be back soon but in the meantime reach out online Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is LivestreamChurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.